Our chapter for today is 1 Peter chapter 2. At the end of the last chapter, Peter began exhorting the believers to persevere in, in living holy lives before the Lord as a Christian should. You see that in verses 14 and following of, of chapter 1. Well, he continues that exhortation in the first half of this chapter, chapter 2, and applies it specifically to how a Christian ought to live in obedience and submission to the various authorities over us in the latter half of the chapter. And he'll end this chapter basing his call on Christians to patiently endure suffering and hardship on, on Jesus' own patience and suffering. So let's take a, a note of a few things we find here. Um, one of the most well-known passages here is verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Well, there is so much we could uh, tease out of those ver that, that verse, but almost every single phrase of that verse has deep biblical imagery and truth within it. It's not without significant meaning, nor is it pointless that he refers to Christians as a royal priesthood or a holy nation. Uh, Peter is using the most meaningful imagery available to him in the Old Testament to, to describe the privileged position we've graciously been given through Jesus. We, we were once people, as he puts it, who had not received mercy and are now by God's free grace those who have received mercy and are a people for his own possession. Once out of favor, now in favor. Once without mercy, now recipients of mercy. Once lost, now found. Once alienated from God and without hope, now reconciled and possessors of an unshakable hope. But while the dominant message of these verses, that is verses 9 and 10, are the, are the new station we've been given through Christ, it's not entirely about that because there's one phrase tucked in there that instructs us as to what we ought to do now that we've been given all that we've been given. And notice what Peter says after he piles phrase upon phrase describing our new position in Christ. He says we've been given this new position so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God doesn't save us merely for our benefit, but ultimately for his own glory. He saves us and gives us grace so that we would overflow with his praise everywhere we go and in everything we do. First, First Corinthians ten thirty one. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. We're 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 all proclaiming in our words and actions the praise of someone or something, whether we realize it or not. It's always going, always going. And if we're not consciously declaring the praise of God, we're more than likely unconsciously declaring the praise of the world or ourselves. So consider what you've been given in Christ. Consider who you are in Christ, and consider whose praise is being proclaimed from your lips and life. Well, secondly, there's an interesting uh, sentence a little more than halfway through the chapter. Uh, Peter commands us as Christians in verse 16 to live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Now, freedom is an interesting word, one that needs to be carefully defined according to the biblical meaning and usage. And that's what I want to say a word about here. One of the most famous statements in the Bible is when Jesus himself promises in John 8 that the truth will set you free. And he'll say in that same chapter, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
Another well-known passage in Galatians 5, Paul says, For freedom, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So the Bible has a lot to say about the freedom of a Christian. But if we're not careful, we will insert our own definition and our own understanding of that freedom that is foreign to the, what the Bible means by it. We often mean by freedom the, the ability to do whatever we want to do. In, a, in, in worldly matters, that may be an adequate definition. But in spiritual matters, that def, definition will not do. Why? Because it is true that uh, as we are born into the world, we have the natural ability to do and choose whatever we want. That's the worldly definition. But the only problem is, spiritually, we never want to choose what pleases God. We, we can be and are... Uh, apart, even apart from the grace of God, naturally free, but at the same time, spiritually in bondage. For that reason, the freedom, the Bible says, belongs to the Christian is not the freedom to do whatever we want, but rather the new freedom to do what is good and right and what is pleasing to God. It is not coincidental that right before Jesus says, you will be free indeed, he said of, it, of himself, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. That is God the Father. Well, finally, uh, there's an excellent encapsulation of clear gospel truth at the very end of the chapter. In verse 24, Peter says of Jesus, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. What I want you to notice uh, in this verse are the personal pronouns. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The whole notion of substitution is unavoidable. When Jesus went to the cross, he was substituting himself in the place of every person who would ever believe and put their faith in him. Even more, he came, he came sinless as our substitute. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. That's in verse 22. He did this so that just as whatever was ours became his, so also whatever was his become ours. It, it, it's humbling and exhilarating at the same time to think through all the implication of this, this simple sentence. Jesus is my substitute. That's a beautiful uh, truth taught to us at the very end of this chapter. And those are just a few thoughts from 1 Peter chapter 2.